welcome to Makeup Lessons for Life. I'm your host, Sharon Braxton, and thanks for joining us today. It is so good to be back in the studio after our summer break. It was a great time to get refreshed. I actually had a little bit of time to, that I could spend with my boys. They're both off in college now, and I already miss them, even though they just left. I got some extra bonding time with hubby, and it was also just a good time to sit and get refreshed. And spend that time with the Lord because, as you know, sometimes we just get busy in life and we don't get all the time we need just to sit at His feet and hear from Him. And so it was good to get that. And here at Makeup Lessons for Life, we were praying for you during the break. And as usual, we're always praying Psalm 91 over you. And we know that God sees everything you're going through and His blessings will overtake you. Now, you need to get that snack and that beverage, and get ready, because we have a very special show for you today. We are excited to bring to you an uplifting story that we could all use about right now of a former athlete and top coach who is helping to break generational cycles of trauma and then igniting generational cycles of hope. And she's doing this all over the world, one life at a time, through the universal principles and language of sport. But before we bring on our guest, I want to introduce my co-host, sidekick, and executive producer of the show, Peggy Fraser O'Connor. And when I look at you, Peggy, you never look so good to me. <laughs> I and I'm feel likewise, like, and likewise. I feel like I haven't seen you in a hundred years. I know, and I missed you. Me I missed too. you. I love our times together. I really do. You're my bestie. And uh, if you're going to get to do something in life, you really want to do it with people you love. Absolutely, That's just the best thing to do in the world. Yeah, I had a I had a wonderful time this last few weeks. Um, um, my oldest daughter came back, and she's in transition and is staying with us. And so it's been a time of sewing into her life and loving on her and spending time with my husband, Jim. And you're right, Sharon, you know, sometimes these timeouts, you know, that God calls mm-hmm. are not anything we would have necessarily chosen for ourselves, you know, because we get all wrapped up in doing and going and being and full steam ahead. Like I know you live your life that way and Thomas does and Jim and I do, but boy, there is something to say for sitting still and being quiet and breathing. And you know, those times have become precious, and I don't want to lose that right now. I really think that that needs to be sown more into our lives, that we make time with one another just to be quiet, make time to be quiet with the Lord. But I'm so glad you're back with us, listeners, and we have a great new season coming up for you with amazing people on it. So we want you to get the newsletter, go online, sign up for the newsletter. I mean, there's just articles from Sarah Davis, our wellness coach, and Sharon, and Pastor Scott, and me, and it will really, truly be a blessing. And and uh, you'll also see what shows are coming up next and who we're profiling and books. And oh, please, you've got to get Thomas a CD. I know you're going to talk oh. about that at the end. Sharon, go talk, talk. Oh, no, I was the CD. He's not ready yet. It's not coming oh, out oh, until oh, sorry, February. Sorry. But the single, looking up. That's it, the song. And when I tell you, I'm, I know I might seem like I'm biased, That's but okay. I'm not. The music makes you want to look up. It makes your spirit. It's fabulous. It elevates you. And his single is available on iTunes and Amazon, anywhere where you can download music for 99 cents. That looking up, and it's going to make you want to look up. <laughs> then boy, do and, we need to. Yeah, it is. I can't wait, Sharon. Let's go. Well, Peggy's right. We've got some great shows coming this season, and it starts today with our special guest, Judy Fox. Judy is a former NCAA Division I volleyball coach with 
30 plus years of experience, which includes induction into four halls of fame. Judy is also the president and founder of Ignite International, which she started back in 2003. You know, with more than 90% of the global population engaging in sports at some level, Judy and her team use this common foundation to share universal principles to empower and equip influencers of tomorrow's leaders. As a personal mentor of hundreds of athletes, coaches, and youth, Judy's fingerprint extends across generations, cultures, beliefs, and nationalities. She has trained leaders of national teams and federations, Olympic committees, educators, and youth and community leaders to utilize sport as the tool through which to teach life principles. With Judy at the helm, her team has left a mark of hope in actually more than a dozen nations through outreach trips to Nicaragua, Cuba, Liberia, the Holy Land, Jamaica, Moscow, St. Petersburg, and the USA. And that's just to name a few. Today's segment is called Ignite You First, and that's the alphabet U followed by the number one, which is also the name of the new initiative that her company launched in 2019. Her goal is to inspire, empower, and equip teens and adults that are caught in cycles of trauma with the necessary practical tools that they need to break the cycle so that they can experience the power of hope and then pass that on to future generations. Judy believes that whether it's across the street or across the globe, either way, you can ignite your world, but it starts with you first, you first. Judy, thank you so much. And I haven't seen you in forever either. It's so good to see you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a, yeah, such a blessing to see you guys again and to be here today. And what an honor to be able to share this all together. And and I'm laughing about the term uh, that we've already talked about is having a timeout and Mm -hmm. taking a timeout. And for us, it's just been an opportunity to do what coaches do in a timeout is you reshape and you mm. retool and you re-strategize. That's right. And that's exactly what this season has done for us. So thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. Absolutely. Well, you know, Judy, sport is a universal language. It really is. And it doesn't matter what sport. You know, it could be football, basketball, volleyball, tennis, golf, track and field. Sports is a common denominator and it brings us all together. We love putting on our jerseys and rooting and cheering for our favorite team or our favorite athlete and we also like to admire the skill and the determination and the excellence I know I do that I see them doing and exhibiting to win or at least to be the best do you agree that it's a common denominator oh 100% and and you mentioned it in the statistic that you said uh, in your beautiful introduction that more than 90% of the world participates and engages in some kind of sport at some level and and statistically if you included just the people who love being a fan or love cheering you're looking in the upper 90 Mm percent it's truly a common language sport music uh, other forms of the art dance which i know is a, a great passion of yours those things cross so many cultural lines and and whereas when we go to an event and roll out a ball it's instant rapport. That's mm. right. Instant rapport. I can see that. And, and it's crazy. And I don't know that it's right that in our world, athletes have the platform they have, but the fact is they have it. Mm-hmm. And, and those of us who understand that, I, I firmly believe, and I often say, we have an absolute responsibility and a huge opportunity 
to use that in a way that can ignite hope and ignite generational cycles of I was wondering hope. I was wondering why you were talking if part of that might be because it brings out the child in us you know something like throwing out a ball or when you play with someone and you engage and play all of those defenses kind of drop you know they do all these things that are just natural barriers between mm-hmm. people they disappear when when there's an opportunity to play mm-hmm. well you know i have to say my family is athletic i didn't play sports as you mentioned i'm a dancer but you know what judy i am a mean power walker Oh, yes, I am. If you see me in the mornings, you better get out of the way because I can, I can make those girls run over someone. And then, Peggy, I know you and Jim, you guys play tennis. Oh, yes, yes. I have my funny story that I have to tell. My husband's Jim is, is six foot three. And when we started, he would just stand in the middle of the court and just put one arm out and then change to the other That's arm. Awesome. And I was the one that was running. Five years it took me to be decent. But hey, you know. Hey, it never hurts to keep trying. That's but, you right. know, my husband played basketball basketball in high school and he ran track through college and then both of my sons played sports growing up I mean we tried them all soccer basketball baseball and then my oldest ended up with track and he's currently on a track scholarship and he's an athlete in college and he has aspirations to run professionally and you know my husband and I when he's working really hard we tell him all the time Ian the hard work that you're doing in private when no one's watching No one's cheering you on. There are no bright lights in the stadium. You know, you are developing and honing your skill. And then when it's time and the spotlight is on you, then you're going to be ready to shine. And so, Judy, we're going to talk about specifics later. But just generally speaking, how do you see sports as a metaphor for life? I remember speaking of tennis, which I'm also not very good at it, <laughs> although I enjoy it. I, I do, too. I enjoy I just about it. anything, but I, that's, that's I one that's I have a decent serve. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that I, I, I can hit it out of the park. I but. bet you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of, of tennis, one of the life principles that I live by uh, is a comment that I heard the great legendary Chris Everett say, and, and I believe it was when she was just announcing a Wimbledon game and she said the one she said life is like a game of tennis the one who serves well seldom loses oh that's beautiful it is and as a volleyball coach I've translated that because in volleyball much like in tennis or any other sport where you would initiate the the play you know through a serve or whatever that's the one skill in that game that you have absolute control over and so in every oh other my. in every mm-hmm. other play in volleyball, the ball's being hit at you and you're reacting to right. it, or somebody has your setter has set the ball to you and you're responding to what you were given, which is a lesson in itself. Yes. But your service, your service Boy, will that preach is or the what? one that will skill <laughs> in that game that you have absolute control wow. over that and it's your first attack. I always taught that. If you ask any team I ever coached, your serve is your first attack. And so when you want to put your, uh, when you want to put your enemy on the defense, serve. Just I go serve. Oh, that is gorgeous. That. That's gorgeous. I have never heard anybody use a metaphor like that no. um, for life from sport, Judy. Oh, wow. You are profound. <laughs> There's much more where that came from. <laughs> Well, while we're laughing, before we get into the nuts and bolts of your organization and all the amazing work that you're doing, I just want to talk a little bit about your background and so the listeners can get to know you a little bit. And I know you and Peggy have something in common because you are both 
East Coast Girls. Oh, wow. Yes, India. Is that a good thing? I think so. <laughs> I do, too. Although do I'm kind too. of a hybrid. I was raised by my mother, who was from the East, my father from North Carolina, so I'm sort of a Yankee-born Southern Belle kind of thing. There you know. Yankee-born Southern Belle. <laughs> Well, Miss Scarlett. <laughs> with a Yankee accent somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, Judy, I know you're from northeastern Pennsylvania, and Peggy, you're in that New Jersey area. Do, do you guys ever get used to the warm weather here in Texas? Or by now you are, I guess, both of you. It snowed on my college graduation outside of <laughs> Buffalo, New York, so I've always said that I'll take July and August in Texas any day and to one time, not have yeah. November, December, January, February, maybe April, May. You yeah, know? one so, time yeah. I was telling y'all earlier that, that the honey froze in the cupboard, <laughs> so we had a really w- wicked, wicked Christmas. Okay, that's a wicked, That wicked. was wicked. That yeah. was really bizarre. Really. Well, you know, your family was so close when you were growing up. Tell us a little bit about your parents and what it was like growing up for you. Yeah, you know, so both my parents are educators. Um, They, in June of this year, passed their 57th anniversary. Uh, I'm very blessed by that. I understand the rarity of that. Mm -hmm. I've never once heard, we're going to talk about the traumas that that people experience in life, and I've never once had to live a day of that um, in that respect. I've never heard an argument um, between my parents in our home, or otherwise for that matter, and and very grateful for that. Uh, My father built the house that we grew up in. I think that is so cool. Yeah, when I was in first grade, he built that. In fact, uh, um, last fall, 2018 in the fall, they sold that home and moved to a, a senior community. But there's a wonderful family who, who has bought it. But to grow up in that same house that was built by my dad and to remember when he built it um, is a special memory. Uh, my parents were very active, uh, both in, in education. My dad, as, as mentioned, was also a builder. My mom taught piano lessons at home, so we oh. learned to, to play the piano early on, and, and I think I learned the violin for a little while. I played French horn in band oh, and was okay. very, very active uh, in marching band and concert band as well. I, had, I was blessed with an incredible group of peers growing up, um, still very, very close to so many of them today. Social media has just been an absolute blast and blessing all at the same time to connect with. I mean, I chatted with my first grade BFF a couple days ago, and you know, shout out to him. It's so, it's so funny that you would say that, because not so much through Facebook, but I still have friends from the first grade and second grade, too, and that's really cool. It's amazing. Well, you know, you have a scripture on your company's website, Jeremiah 20th chapter, 9th verse, that says, His word is in me like a fire. And you know, Judy, when I read that scripture on your website, I thought about you and your life because you told us earlier that you knew that it wasn't about religion. You knew it was relationship and that the word was so planted in you from your grandparents and parents. Talk about that. Yeah, it's probably the thing in my heritage that I'm the most grateful for outside of the relationship I've seen modeled in my mom and dad's relationship with one another. Um... My mom used to, I remember, and she'll laugh when she hears this, that I would even remember this probably because I think parents don't realize how much their kids glean just by watching mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But my mom used to spend a lot of time just memorizing scripture and she was slick. I think she did it on purpose for two reasons. One, because she loved to memorize and recite. But I think she also knew that we love to listen to her recitation of scripture 
probably because if we could, my mom is an academic scholar. She is a brilliant intellect. And if we could ever catch her making a mistake on something <laughs> she memorized, we would enjoy that. You liked the gotcha so, moment. Huh? So Yeah, exactly. So she used it, though, in a really profound way because she would memorize these lengthy passages of scripture and then she wanted to recite it to us. But that was a way that so much scripture was poured into us. But, you know, sitting in when my grandparents would come visit and just seeing them sit and read the word or seeing my mm-hmm. father sit and read the word and knowing they were living it. It's like my mom was the, you know, the music director and the church organist. My dad was the choir director and, and often an elder. And so we were always at every service on the front row was the Fox family, you know, church youth group and all that. And, and that was life. And a lot of my friends were from that circle. And when we would have missions conferences at our church and the people would come from overseas and share about the kinds of things they had to eat. And I was a kind of a picky eater when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> monkey brains wasn't on my menu. No, it wasn't. <clears throat> no, but to, to gain the understanding when I was introduced to that verse, that my relationship with him is about his word and who he is being planted so deeply in me that it just flows out of me, that I can't help but reflect who he is because his word is the foundation of all that I am. And you know, you said though something that was key, reading the word and then they were living it in mm-hmm. front of you. That's major. Absolutely. And it makes me think about Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. My mother really dr- drilled that scripture into us. And I know that for you, as you just said, the word, it was your moral compass. Mm-hmm growing up, correct? It was, absolutely. And and I was blessed to have a, a group of incredible peers who believed very much the same. Mm-hmm. And, and we supported one another in that, too. Well, now let's shift and talk about Judy the athlete. You told us earlier that you were always athletic, but you started playing organized sports in junior high school and that you had a dream of something that you wanted to do one day. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. From the time I was a kid, I was bound and determined that I was going to be I was going to play first base for the Philadelphia Phillies opposite of Mike Schmidt. <laughs> Mike Schmidt was my hero. Of course I I mean, and nobody was going to stop me from reaching that goal. And you know, I'm curious, Julian, my my baby, he played baseball and he played a little bit of first base for a moment. Why first base, Judy? Why did it have to be that position? Um, I was left-handed and it was easy to turn a first, it was easy to turn a double play and nail somebody sliding Mm -hmm. into home. Sounds good to me. Absolutely. So if you're going to do it, you're going to go with the gusto. If you're going to do it, do it right. Go big or go home, baby. (laughs) Well, you know, after you played basketball and softball in high school, you transitioned into volleyball. But actually, you started a little bit late and you didn't play until you got to college. So tell us the story of how you started playing volleyball, because I know it wasn't all a bed of roses for you at the beginning. That's exactly right. I did start uh, later than most kids would start today. Uh, We didn't have volleyball in my high school or in northeastern Pennsylvania. Field hockey was the big sport for for that area. And I I didn't tell you this the other day, uh, that part, but I refused to play field hockey because if if I had to wear a skirt, it wasn't a sport to me. (laughs) The the flip side is they got to carry a stick and my friends would come in with black eyes and all this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of cool. But um, when I got to college, I always wanted to play volleyball. I loved the sport. I, I loved the action of the game, the intensity, and I had always wanted to. And so I walked onto that team. I was recruited to play basketball, and so I was planning to be a dual sport athlete. Um, made it through the first cut, 
at preseason and <clears throat> we get to the second cut and and the co or we go through the second cut and then the coach called about four or five of us to the side and she said listen you're you're doing well but i can't guarantee you're going to get to play it all this season can't guarantee you'll get to travel this season can't guarantee that you'll get in a game or <laughs> wow. that you'll suit up for every basically, game basically I mean, you are a non-person <laughs> it was the deal of a century let me tell you um but she finished that sentence with if you work hard it can only help you for the future and the others who were part of that conversation all chose to pursue other things. Um, I actually laid a fleece out before God and, and just put that to prayer, and he gave me a very clear message, don't quit, uh, in those words. And I had no idea at the time how that was going to shape my life for the rest of my life. And that's what made me play. And um, it was quite a journey, a lot of hard work, but there were, th there were things that I needed to learn skill-wise, but I knew how to be an athlete and I knew how to be a teammate. And I was determined to do those things well. And I know you told us that a lot of the upperclassmen, they were admiring you, that you didn't quit. They did. Throughout the course of that season, you know, I made a determination. I, I kept coaching myself uh, through that year, just saying, you can, you can make a volleyball player, but you can't make an athlete. Mm -hmm. You can teach me how to pass the ball, but what can I do well? I was used to being good at things. I excelled in music. I excelled in athletics. I was the most valuable player of my high school softball team my senior year. You know, I was in the running for that same award in basketball. Another athlete had outperformed me, and that was fine. We were teammates. But I was used to being successful and used to being in the, in the top of something. And for the first time in my life, I was the worst. And I decided, how can I be the best at being the worst? And that sounds weird, but I had to be the best, Why? you know? And what I knew was, I know how to work hard, so I can be the best at that. I know how to be coachable, so I can do that. I can, I can encourage my teammates better. I can focus on those things that I do know how to do. And you can teach me the angle to pass a volleyball. And that was the approach I took. And upperclassmen on that team did come to me throughout that season. And, and, and in fact, when we qualified for the national tournament, it was the upperclassmen on the team who went to that coach and requested that she allow me to come to the national tournament with them. Oh, my. And I was a starter the following year. So many life lessons. So many. But, you know, even though things may have gotten off to a slower start, you did hone those skills. And you became a powerful player, Miss Judy. You were a force to be reckoned with. And you won a lot of awards you became an all-american in your college's division and i want to ask i know you said you like the power of the game but what else do you really like about volleyball in volleyball my my um my favorite aspect do you mean of the game itself or do you mean in general how it applies to life no the game the game you know most athletes most volleyball players just love getting that great kill for me, I, I actually, I'm just a little bit of a rebel there. I love blocking the one who thinks <laughs> she's going to get that great kill. Uh, you know, when you have the opportunity to line up in front of her and she thinks she's got that open lane and you shut her down, uh, that's pretty sweet. I love it. <laughs> I love watching beach volleyball at the Olympics and Misty May and all that. And I like watching when yes. you block that great kill. It's absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Well, I know after college, you always wanted to coach. And you had an opportunity to do that. But then your vision expanded, you shared with us, and it became about more than just coaching. So tell us the story behind actually what caused you to start Ignite International. 
So when I was named an All-American in my senior season, um, I was invited then with that particular group on a short-term sports missions trip. Uh, it was to Mexico. And in that experience, we had the whole gamut of competition. We were uh, taking the opportunity and having opportunities given to us to impact lives for Christ. And, and just, it was everything that I loved in life all put together. It was travel, it was a culture, it was different. It was something different. Mm -hmm. And it included that element of using the influence of athletics to bridge, you know, to bridge all of that and to open the door for relationships. And I remember being on that trip and, and I just knew, and I've always said it was like a passing thought that never went out the other side. Man, I could do this forever. Maybe someday I could have an organization like this. And that thought just never left. And 14 years of coaching later, um, got to coach in the greatest conference in the nation at that time um, in my years as a Division I uh, mm -hmm. assistant coach, which is what brought me to Texas. And we were in the best conference in the nation during those years. And um, But even through all that, it's like at, at in 2002, going into 2003, that door opened where the Lord said, it's time to start that dream I put in you 14 years ago. And off we went. It's amazing how God will show us just a peekaboo moment right. of something. Even if it's not quite time yet yeah. for it to fully be realized, He'll just open the curtain and just show us a little bit. But what I really loved is you said you always wanted to go off the beaten path. You wanted to go to those places that no one else went. Why was that so important to you? I've always had a heart for the underdog. Mm -hmm. When our dog had puppies when I was a kid, I, the runt was always the one that I felt like was mine. I mean, we sold, we sold them all, you know, but the runt was mine, mm -hmm. even though I, you know, I was always heartbroken for that one. But I've always had a heart for the people that others didn't want to go to. Right. right. And so as, and I think that Ignite just, you know, a team reflects its coach and an organization reflects its leadership. And for me, it's always been part of my heart to go to the people that others won't go to, to go to the places where others might not be willing to go or might not have access to. There's places that athletes, when we go as a team of athletes or as coaches, we're welcomed in a way that perhaps the church might not be. That's a good point. You know, and, and so we're able to to access hearts in a way that others can't. And I've all, and I think that he just builds us for what it is he's called us to do. And he put that in me that I really want to I've always just had that in me to go to the ones who maybe others wouldn't go to, the places others wouldn't go to. You know, I was thinking while you were talking that it's sad, but it's a true statement that people have their defenses up when you try to talk to them a lot of times about Jesus because their preconceptions are based on their history of whoever represented that to them before, whatever, you know, church that they were aligned with, whether that was a bad experience mm -hmm. or whatever. And so when you you place the language of volleyball and you and you marry it to the language of Jesus, automatically what people do is they lay those you know, misperceptions about Jesus aside, and they're able to hear the heart of God, which before they couldn't because the language of whatever denomination or experience was screaming too loudly in their ears. That's why this is such a beautiful, beautiful work that you're doing. Thank and you. what I like is that you said that for you, mm -hmm. it's about forging relationships. And these relationships can last for a lifetime or for years. But you also were telling us something something that I thought, you know, that's true, that it depends on where you are 
in the world as to what the ministry looks like. It has to fit in with the culture and the laws of the area. Talk a little bit about that. It's absolutely critical because so many times we go in, uh, we being in general, but we try to go in with our agenda and, mm-hmm. and we've been taught how to share with somebody or we've been taught how to impact somebody and so we go in with our agenda on what that's going to look like and and we blow it because we completely disrespect everything that's important to them Mm -hmm. and there are places that have laws about what we can share what we cannot share and and this gives us the opportunity to just to build relationships and to know when when is the right moment to share and when's the right moment not to and just listen exactly and just allow relation and to be okay just Mm -hmm. letting relationships build and let him do what is his job to do. And you said you'd rather go deeper than wider. Explain that. I would much rather go deeper than wider. I'm not that person that looks in my passport and says I need 50 more stamps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to reach one person who gets it in that nation who can reach 50. Who can reach 50. I want to go deeper in the places that we have been called to go. Now, I'd love if that's more, and we'll look forward to re-expanding that down the road, you know, as as situation globally allows us to. Mm -hmm. But if we can go deeper and really grab, you know, people stand on stages all the time and say, if I could reach just one of you. Well, we get to. I know. And we get to. You know, people stand on stages and say, if I could know every one of your names, and I sit in those audiences with them saying, I know every name on this row, I've been to their homes, I've eaten with their families, I've traveled with their teams, I know them. I'm who they're calling in the middle of the night when they need something. And and that's the beauty of that relationship through sport. And basically, it's, it's what you've been telling us, that you want to be present alongside them and actually just do life with them. And when you're in their homes and eating dinner with them and learning the names of their kids, you're doing life with them. It's making a difference. You know, I was thinking of a saying that I believe it was Dr. Shuler once that said this a long time ago, man can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in one seed. So when you place a seed of faith in one person, you don't know when that comes to fruition what that's going to look like. It could move nations because he's looking at it. That's exactly... Somebody shared with Billy Graham who was that person. Absolutely. Because somebody shared with that person. And and we want to reach them one by one and, and let them... Uh, impact who who it is for them to impact. Well, for the listeners, I want you to tell a couple of stories, specific stories mm-hmm. where you knew that the relationship that you were forging it was it was impacting. And I know you have one specific in Nicaragua. Yeah, you know, in Nicaragua back in 2004, and she would not mind me sharing this. We laugh about it still, but it, we had traveled with the national team, national volleyball team, on our very first trip. We had invited them to come stay with us uh, at the place we were staying, and one of their athletes spoke English very well so of course she was the most popular one with our group uh, on that team but she came to me the next morning and she said is this your shampoo and it was it was herbal essences shampoo that we became <laughs> friends over a, a bottle of two buck shampoo right and and our friendship grew out of that and as I would go down in the mid two, you know 2005 six seven eight and and just go help train the national team I went every couple of months and just taught them elevated their game and I would just go go help train them 
she would come spend time with me at the hotel, as would many of their players during the day. And her little girl would swim in the swimming pool. We would just talk. And, and I would often ask her, are you ready to make that decision you know you need to make? And she would tell me, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to. There's, there's things that I know that he's going to ask me to do once I make it that I'm not ready to and I'm not going to be fake. And years went by, and in early 2010, I received a, a message from my friend who translates for me, and she said, in all your conversations with this individual, has she, has, to your knowledge, has she ever made a decision to receive Christ? And I said, you know, I, I know that she's been impacted, and I think as much as she gets it, she gets it. But no, I, I can't say there's been that moment. And she said, well, she did yesterday. Oh, and I was like, beautiful. what are you talking about? And she said, we had a medical missions team here and I needed an extra translator. And I remembered how good she spoke English. And so I invited her to come. And on day two of that trip, she gave her life to the Lord. But it was years of relationship. It took one moment with someone else. And that's fine. This, there's, this mm -hmm. is not a competition or a mm -mm. scoreboard. Mm -mm. And I hate when people turn it into that. Because you know, there's the, you know, years say, of relationship. Yeah, you plant the seed and maybe someone else waters that seed. You don't care as that's long right. as the seed gets watered and that's grows. That's right. It's he who gives the increase. Right. And I know you have a great story that happened to you in Bethlehem. Yeah, you know. It's, it's very... Oh, in Bethlehem. <laughs> <laughs> Let that roll off your tongue. <laughs> Not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. The Bethlehem. Um, yeah, I, you know, a, a young lady of a completely different religion who would be probably adverse to, whose culture would be maybe adverse to her exposure in that way to, to our faith and what we believe. But through the course of relationship again, and, and back in probably 2011, she and I were walking down the street and she asked me very specifically, just getting to know me, what's your mission? And a lot of people would just jump to John 3.16, mm -hmm. you know? And all I said was, you know what? We're all volleyball players. We come from different worlds. We want to know you. We want mm -hmm. you to know us. And I left it at that. And she said, I love what you do. And over the course of three or four years, as we became close through messaging, through returning, through being present, um, she and I were standing on the street in Bethlehem several years later, and she asked me, you know, what, what is it that you love so much about Bethlehem? I know you love the Nativity Church. And I said, well, it's not about the building. It's about what took place that that building was built by Helena to represent for all of history. And what took place under that building is that Jesus was born, and you've told me the hope that you see in me, and that's where my hope comes from. And she began to ask me questions and, and ultimately asked me the difference between the holy book that is meaningful in her belief system as compared to the Bible, which would be the holy book in my belief system, and to be able to comparatively draw what I've noticed as I read and to be able to share. And then, and then she continued to ask, what's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? And just to be able to share and to dialogue, but it was years of relationship that, that brought that moment to be able to even discuss. And what I like about it is she's asking the questions. Exactly. She wants to know you've impacted her. Exactly. Well, you know, after years of success with your programs abroad in 2019, you decided to go domestic and you developed the domestic platform for the company and it's called Ignite You First. And I like that because as I tell the listeners, just picture the alphabet U followed by the number one. And it can also be 
Ignite You One. But you shared with us earlier that the concept grew out of a random, totally random experience and a profound friendship that was very unexpected for you. So talk a little bit about what that was. Yeah, God's got a sense of humor. Um, and, and I often, I like the word that you used, random. I, I've often uh, described this as, as ran, randomly divine as it is divinely random. <laughs> and um, I don't know how many people would have this kind of story, but I sat down on a, on a normal Friday night, turned on an episode of Dateline NBC, and I had no idea how it was about to change my life and the impact that Ignite International would ever have. Um, the storyline was out of Amarillo, Texas. It was a story, and, and you know, anytime it's a Dateline story, we all know that there's a family and friends who have endured tragic loss because their stories always involve that, and so there's a lot of compassion for the, the central focus of the story, but it was the story within the story that really grabbed me, and that was of a young lady who was wrongfully charged with that murder when her husband at the time murdered his first wife and framed her for it. And she spent 15 and a half months in jail for a crime she had nothing to do with, wasn't Mm. there, knew nothing about it, insisted she was innocent. And over the course of that time, miraculously, some evidence came forward that proved that she was correct all along. And the district attorney not only dropped the charges, but apologized to her very publicly, which is totally out of the realm of normal. Mm -hmm. And um, that... That experience for her changed the course of her life and brought her to an intersection with purpose that when you watch the first hour of this show, you're portrayed, it is portrayed to you, a young woman who clearly, I mean, as a coach, I've walked through a lot of stuff with a lot of kids, and but to, to be introduced to a life that's been through all of it and then some is absolutely extraordinary. But then to watch the second hour, and as I listened to her, speak about her experiences growing up through relentless traumas, one after the next, after the next, after the next, culminating in a wrongful incarceration on a charge that could have taken her life either slow or slower. Um, But to hear her then use this experience to conclude that show saying, I want to represent those who find themselves in a similar position to me. And to use that for good, I literally sat there with tears rolling off my face, listening to the most inspiring human being I'd ever listened to in my life. And I know you told us after you heard it, you you just felt like you had to get in touch with her. So how did you find her and what happened when you reached her? Yeah, it was crazy. I, I, I just began to pray for her. I was like, how did this happen five hours from me? I live in Dallas. How did this happen five hours from here? And I didn't know anything about it. But I know my mind is focused so much on the other side of the world. I can't tell you what happened on the other side of the Metroplex, <laughs> much less what happened on the other side of Texas. Um, and But I just began to pray for her. And it was about 12 days later, I was standing in my living room, and finally I just stopped and I said, God, why can't I get this chick out of my head? And that's exactly what I asked and how I asked it. And there was a little bit of back and forth between, you know, we all have, have an inner voice of guidance. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that's the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. for me. And, and, and he said, find her and send her a message. And I said, okay, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I can get somebody else if you don't want to do it. My hand is on that life. 
And so I've, I've found her. I'd, I just searched a little bit on social media till I found what I thought might be uh, one of her profiles, and, and I shot her a private message introduced myself gave her the website to the organization to validate that you know this I'm for real and basically just said I saw your story I'm inspired and, and wanted to encourage you his hand is clearly on your life I'm not looking to be in touch with you I'd welcome it but that's not my purpose just want you to know you've got someone here praying for you and and you know kind of stay the course kind of thing keep on keeping on never expected a reply um, but two and a half hours later she responded and six weeks later, she and her amazing daughter were in Dallas, and we got together for lunch, and, and a, a most incredible friendship of my life has, has grown out of that, and uh, could not be more grateful to see uh, how God is now using that, and, and I know that we'll get to that. Judy, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. First of all, just that you could be obedient to the Holy Spirit and not just blow it off. How many times, Peggy, have we watched something and been moved by it, but we just, oh, and we move on with life. But you really took the time to seek the Lord and say, I think you're pulling and tugging on me. That's commendable. And I know that Katie's story has also been featured on the Oxygen Network, and you have her bio on your website. And from what I've read, Katie truly did, as you said, she faced a lot of trauma during her life, and she had a lot of obstacles that she had to overcome come. Could you just briefly tell us a little bit about some of the things that she had to face? You know, just um, when you see that story on Dateline, um, it the, like I said in the first hour, she's portrayed uh, to be a person that, that as a coach who has walked through, you know, through things with some of my athletes, mm -hmm. I sat there going, I, I know that she's been through stuff. And when she shares her story, she shared that, that she was raised, her father passed away when she was very young. Um, her mom coped with that through addiction and alcoholism. Mm -hmm. um, you can imagine the life of, of a little girl and her brother, you know, during a, during a time like that, growing up in that kind of environment. Um, even as a teenager, living through addiction of her own and homelessness as a teenager, two kids by the age of 18 who are now, mm. you know, her son just graduated from high school and uh, very proud to, to see her daughter just as an amazing young lady. And But to grow up through those things one after the next after the next, um, just really a, a path of unrelenting, unrelenting trauma that brought her to that, that point that God used to, to bring her to the intersection with purpose. And I know she dropped out of school, too, correct? She did. She dropped out of school in eighth grade, and it was amazing in December of 2019 uh, to stand with her family as she graduated at 34 years old, working full-time, mother of two high schoolers, graduates as the first in her family ever to get a college degree, and she's got a degree in legal studies and is pursuing a career in criminal defense and criminal wow. law. And she's amazing. a paralegal. You know, when I hear that, Peggy, I just think that is the epitome of a life redeemed. That is correct. Redeemed by Christ. That it's not that she could have done any of that in her own strength. Right. Not at all. Well, I, I also think that it is true that, and I'm speaking from personal experience too, you can be victimized by circumstances that happen to you, but remaining a victim will always be a choice. I love what Joyce Meyer says. You know, she talks about the fact that God, how can you ask me to forgive this person? Look what they did to me. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, yes, I know what they did to you. And you have a reason to feel the way that you feel, but not a right to hold on to it because I'm here to heal you from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so beautiful for us as Christians to understand that stuff does happen to us. But thank God, God's not going to leave us there with His grace. He can help us to overcome. 
Well, you know, as you were planning to launch this domestic side of your company, how did you even come up with the name Ignite You First? Where did it come from? You know, and, and even the idea of it came out of a phone call. Um, Katie called me in July of 2019. Um, my phone rang in the morning, and, and it was her, and, and we started talking, and she said, you know, I've, I've got to start sharing this. I've got to start sharing the things that I've been through, but I want to do this my way. And that is to share with the ones who are going through the kinds of stuff I've been through. This this is a life that 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 is not of that victim mentality. And mm-hmm. and I appreciate mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you're drawing attention to that. And one of the things I respect and admire so greatly about her is, you know, it, in Genesis 50 verse 20, we're told, you know, what the enemy intended for evil. Joseph said, what the enemy intended for evil, God's going to use for good. And that's exactly what Katie's doing with those circumstances that were handed to her. Mm-hmm. They were not by her choosing. Right. You know, now she made choices, we all do, but they are a, a result of mm-hmm. a life that you've been handed. And, and most people, so many people just succumb to that. Um, and, and so she called me that morning and she said, I need to start sharing this because we've got to break those cycles. Mm-hmm. And you're the one that knows how to do this. I don't know how to run a nonprofit. I don't know how to do... What, I, what it is I need to do, but I have the story. And, and I said to her, I said, Katie, I've been praying for like seven or eight years. God, what is the domestic niche? There's something unique that Ignite International needs to do here. What if we could do it together? Because when we go to Nicaragua, when we go to Jamaica, when we go to the Holy Land, when we go to any other place we, we go, yeah, we train with national teams. Yeah, we do the whole sport element, but we're ministering to the kids, the teens and adults who are going through the things that she's been through. Mm-hmm. I said, that's what we do everywhere in the world. Why not do it here together? Mm-hmm. And immediately we just started talking ideas and we, were, we we don't get on the phone unless it's a couple hours at a crack. And mm-hmm. But it's ideas constantly. My brain has not stopped in more than a year, just ideas after ideas after ideas. And she sent me a text. It was by late July of 2019. She sent me a text one night with a picture that had a quote from uh, Aurelius Augustinus, St. Augustine. And it said, what you wish to ignite in others, you must first ignite within yourself. Mm. And And all she sent me was this picture. And I wrote her back. I said, I love that. I have it printed out. It's on my refrigerator. She wrote me back. I, I knew you would, you know. <laughs> and, and and the Lord just started pressing on me again that night, and and really showed me it's you can't undo what's been done to you. You That's can't right. undo the cycles that of the past, right. but you can change the future if you ignite you first. Mm. If you ignite your heart, if you ignite your mind, and it's not about ignite you. It's it's ignite you first, but it's not ignite you only. Mm-hmm. You need those social influencers. You need those positive that positive support system in your life. And so the next morning, I shot her a message, and I and I quickly visualized that you won mm-hmm. because if if you can eventually, like Katie, share what you've been through so that it impacts someone else's life, then you might walk through the darkest of hell. But in the end, you 
won. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And you that's where the load won. You the one. won. Mm-hmm. And, and so I waited till the next morning because how many times do we have ideas at night and mm-hmm. then we're like, this is it. And then the next morning we're like, <laughs> You're like uh, no, that's stupid. You know? <laughs> so it was the pepperoni pizza. <laughs> exactly. So, so I waited till the next morning and I made her a video. And I said, wow. you know what? I'm saying this to you how we would say it to someone else. And tell me what you think. If you think it's great, then we go with it. And if you think it's stupid, just tell me, but tell me nicely, you know, because <laughs> I can take it. Be gentle with it. Yeah, me. exactly, exactly. And I say that facetiously. <laughs> I say that totally tongue in cheek, but I was like, if you don't like it, then it's not it because this is our vision. This is our shared vision and, and we name this together. He'll show us both. And when she watched that video, the next text message I got was, that's the name, all caps, exclamation marks to the end of the page and we ran with it from them so it and became it Ignite You First and it's, it fits it does it's you know awesome. you've got a quote on your website and I'm just going to read it because I agree with it and when I saw it I just went bingo and it's that Katie's story is not a black story or a white story or a male story or a female story it's a human story That's right. and it is it has no gender. It has no race on it. And, you know, I can just see the perfect partnership where you're bringing the universal language of sport and then she's carrying the spirit of hope. And then together with this Ignite You First, you're going to help break those cycles. It's it's going to happen. So how are you guys partnering with corporations and companies and people that bring you in? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing that we look for is who are those organizations and entities and people of influence who are already reaching an audience mm-hmm. that that is experiencing these issues because we're not the ones that are going to ever come in and be the counselors. We're not trained for that. That's not our place. We're the ones who can come along and ignite what they're doing and come alongside them and just just give it some juice mm-hmm. put some gas on that fire you know and and help them so we look for those entities um who are doing that kind of thing already an organization in florida who's reaching out to kids teens whose whose moms are incarcerated mm. um a organization in fort worth texas who reaches out to at-risk boys has a great after school program for them to help uh, to help um, persuade them away from the gang activity, away from the gang oh, life, so the addictions, and it's and it's in that tough neighborhood of Fort Worth. Um, organizations in Huntington, West Virginia, where the opioid overdose mm-hmm. issue, you know, 192 mm. overdoses every day. Wow. In That's this nation, heartbreaking. in it this is. nation, 192 mm. overdoses every day. Suicide is the number two cause of death among ages 10 to 34, and so the true. number 10 mm-hmm. cause of death overall. Ele- every 11 minutes in this nation, in this nation, every 11 minutes somebody is taking their own life, and we've got to stop it because in every one of those categories. Um, you know, 65% of kids who have a parent incarcerated are going to end up justice involved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. end up in the system as well. And if you look through those statistics in every single one of them, family history, if it's not the top, it's near the top. That's family true. history. That it's those so cycles of trauma. So mm-hmm. we connect with who are the people I'm digging and searching, who are the people who are influencing I'm. Those are the connections I'm making. And then I'm able to open those doors with. And then, of course, when we come in, 
bring a team of athletes or just bring the activities. It could be sitting in a classroom with group dynamics exercises, you know, like we've done with some or, or otherwise, but then bring Katie's story. And ultimately our goal is to bring along others because there's so many that have stories like hers that need to, they need the opportunity to share. Absolutely, so they because the kids can relate to that. Absolutely. Before we run out of time, I want you to talk about these two exercises that you guys do, because both Peggy and I were so moved. We're both visual. So the yeah. minute you describe them, we could see them. Talk a little bit about the ac- yes. activities. Yeah, so if we're in a small environment, such as a classroom or, or where we don't have court space to do a full activity, you know, athletically or something like that, there's so many things you can do that are just practical life lessons. And we've done these in Nicaragua. We've done them in Beslan, Russia, where that's school was attacked by terrorists years ago and mm. and all over the world these are two great activities we've we've done um, and we use them with ignite you first one is i'll have them all stand in maybe four or five in a row and you tie their ankle to the person next to them so picture that you're standing next to someone and your right ankle is tied to the person on your right, your left ankle is tied to the one next to you. And I'll tell them, okay, your goal as a line is you've got to walk to there and you show them what is their end goal. And they stumble and they trip and they fall and they all try to step with, you know, every other, every other one take a step. Well, if every other one takes a step, they're also tied to the, the one next to them. So, you know, <laughs> we all fall down. <laughs> But the, the object lesson is you're, we're all standing in this place where we're bound by something, probably that somebody tied to us. And we see the destination of where we want to go, but we don't know how to get there. Mm. But if you can figure out how to take the first step, you can see how to take the second step. And if you can take that second step, you can take the third step. And eventually you learn how to get to the other side. And what we also see in that is when there's multiple groups going, the groups that come behind watch the ones in front. Mm. And so it's always easier. And when we have them go back and do it a second time, they always do it better. Wow. And what they learn is that it doesn't matter how I got there, I still got there. Mm -hmm. And so if I stumbled, just like in life, if I stumbled, if I tripped, if I fell, if I argued with the one next to me, it doesn't matter. I still got to the destination. And the ones behind them see them doing that. That is so good. And I know you have another example where everybody is sitting. Exactly. And and this is really powerful. And I think this one, and we talked about this the other day, how relevant this is to our times right now. And I think it's really important for us as a nation and as people uh, in general. What we'll do is with, it could be two people or it could be up to eight or 10 people, but you have them sit in. And we used to do this in youth group games a lot too, but you, you have them sit in a circle or sit back to back with, even if it's just you and one other person, sit back to back with one another and lock your arms. So if you have a group of, say, picture eight people sitting all facing outward in a circle, their arms are locked so all their backs are to each other and their goal is they have to stand up together. Mm. And the only way that you can do that is to press against the one behind you. You have to press into one another. And I think when we travel to other countries or when we step in as Ignite You First to an organization where people who are enduring things or have endured things that, you know, Katie's story is the one of hope. She carries the hope. I don't have that story. And, and the hope I carry is different and a different gifting. But when we press into each other, even we in leadership can rise. Mm. Even we in leadership 
can make our mark with more power. And and when we go through stuff, whether it's personally or whether it's across the the social issues that we're facing as a country right now, her story is not black or white. Her story is not male or female. It is human. Mm -hmm. And when we can press into one another instead of dividing against one another, we all will rise together, but we have to do it together. And that's a powerful example of that. Judy, I so love this. I wish we had more time. I I could talk to you all day. For (laughs) me, it all sums up with love and relationship. Absolutely. Those are the keys. Peggy, what do you see? Well, Judy, um, we believe that we are all living epistles in the show, and there's some things that we can learn from your life that are so precious. I love to watch the opening games of the Olympics. There's something so moving and compelling to me about that special athlete who has chosen to run with the flaming torch, and he or she will set that huge bowl on fire above the stadium. It truly is a breathtaking sight to behold. And a lot of people wonder how the Olympic torch can be carried through so many elements, mediums, and modes of transportation throughout all of Europe, around the world. The most well-known is by running, of course, The torch is carried over water by power boat, RNLI lifeboats, ferries, steamboats, and by rowing. It's carried by rail and steam locomotives, mainline railways, standard gauge, heritage railways, and smaller gauges, funicular railways, and electric trans railroads. By road vehicle, the torch will be passed by security van, road van, open-top buses, motorcycle sidecars, Paralympic road cycles, and mountain bikes. I'm exhausted already. (laughs) Other more exotic ways are by horseback, zip wire, and cable car. I'm thinking it sounds like fun. (laughs) All of this was in the 2012 Olympics. Incredible effort on the behalf of thousands for a series of games to light a bowl of fire. Yeah. The significance of the Olympic torch goes back in history to the ancient Olympic Games in Olympia, Greece. According to the old myth, a flame was ignited by the sun and kept burning until the closing of the Olympic Games. Well, Miss Judy, the flame of your torch has been lit by the S-O-N, the sun, and he is no myth. He burns within you and your team with enormous effort an expenditure of funds and time and energy. Through countries, you have ignited the fire of the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. In some places, others may be too afraid to go. His fire burns within you as you run with the message of compassion, grace, forgiveness, and unconditional love to reach a world that has grown so cold and lonely. You set the environment ablaze with the light and warmth of God's power, His overcoming power that transcends all language and cultural barriers. Godspeed on your journey, my friend. We bless you, we cheer you on, and in our hearts we are running with you as you ignite the world. Thank you so much. Would you pray for those who are running the race with you that may be tired, or some out there that may need to know the fire of God can burn within them? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Father, we just thank you that every step, easy or hard, every step has purpose. Thank you that you do work all things together for good. You do have a plan. God, give us endurance to trust you. Give us encouragement 
that seeks you and just help us to run this race with perseverance. You do have a plan for every single one of us, Father, and for that person out there who needs to know you, let them know that you're there and let them hear your voice and feel your presence with them. And and for those of us who do know you, Lord, just let us reflect you in a way that when they encounter you, they know that they have been in your presence before. And just help us to be the example of you to the world around us. God, for every person who has walked through the challenges of life and the traumas of life, Father, let them know, number one, it's not their fault what's happened to them. And though they can't go back and undo any of those cycles of the past, they can ignite their future. They can make a positive difference for the next generation if they will allow you and your spirit and your presence and your love, most of all, to ignite them first. God, we give this to you. We give each person to you and each situation to you. And we thank you most of all for your love, for your presence, and for your grace that levels the playing field in each of our experiences. And we just ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Listeners, if Judy has ignited, (laughs) if she's ignited your heart or your passion or your curiosity, and you want to get in touch with her because you want to donate your time or you want to donate some money because you have a passion for helping our young people and adults break these cycles, you can contact her or her organization at info at igniteinternational.org or you can just check out her website it's a great website it gives you all the information you would want to know about the organization and that's igniteinternational.org judy powerful powerful Mm. i mean you're igniting me i just want (laughs) to go out and 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 affect someone one-on-one it's all about one-on-one also if you want to get a copy of peggy's book this is a great time to read it makeup lessons a testimony of prayer healing and redemption at the makeup counter peggy has got some stories in there you talk about inspiring you and reminding you of the power of god to move even when you don't see god anywhere he's there so you need to check out her book it's available on barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com also check out our website mlforlife.com When you go there, you'll see all kind of goodies. We have a store with books and products, a newsletter that you can, as Peggy mentioned earlier, you can subscribe to, and you'll find out more about the various guests that we've had on the show. So we'd love to hear from you. We'd like to thank our recording engineer and editor, Scott Frazier, who is also a pastor, worship leader, and motivational speaker. Check out his website at nc3wilkesboro.com. That's W-I-L-K-E-S-B-O-R-O.com. We'd also like to thank saxophonist Tom Braxton, our assistant recording engineer, and the one who is responsible for all the original music you hear in the show. You can check out his smooth jazz at www.tombraxton.com. This is a show about the transformation in people's lives and the journey of life that we're all on. And there are lessons to be learned from one another. So please grab a girlfriend, a husband, a brother, anyone special in your life, and join us as we get real. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But until next time, please remember, don't be afraid to sit down in the makeup chair. Because God is going to give you the makeover of a lifetime. For Sharon and me, bye now.